take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the Marijuana Nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokens And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Thursday, August 18th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world it's also less than 24 hours away from the annual Seattle Hemp Fest. Starting tomorrow, the park opens around 11 a.m., I believe. Uh, I'm taking the Amtrak train up there. We'll get to Seattle by noon. And they're hitting the ground running because the uh, staff at Cannabis Radio has been busy booking me for every possible interview they can wedge in. I'm going to be speaking with all sorts of great folks uh, already listed. Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja, I'll be interviewing on Friday. Uh, who else do we got? Aaron Pelly, one of the uh, legal folks out there. We've got uh, Sarah Frank, an activist from uh, Idaho, I'll be interviewing on Saturday. And many, many more. Uh, I'm looking at my schedule, and there's at least 20 interviews that we'll be con- uh, conducting Uh, at this Seattle Hemp Fest. Plus, I've got three speaking spots, 6.50 p.m. on Friday, and then 2.45 p.m. Saturday and 6.05 p.m. Saturday, and then I've got all Sunday free. I'm also going to catch some of the speeches from some of the biggest uh, names in marijuana activism, Rick Steves, Jody Emery, Mickey Norris, Chris Conrad, Brandon Krenzler, Kevin Oliver, Nurse Heather, Lori Duckworth. Well, if they're uh, a Joy Beckerman, uh, I'm going to catch as many as I possibly can. Herb Thrasher, my good friend from uh, 420 Radio, will be there as well. Uh, you can catch the main stage at Seattle Hemp Fest online by going to hempfest.org. They'll have live streaming from the main stage. Unfortunately, I'm not speaking at the main stage this year, and they don't have streaming from any of the other stages. But I will be doing a lot of updates on my social media accounts, uh, sending Instagram videos, Facebook Lives, whatever we can do uh, to bring you as much of Seattle Hemp Fest as we can. I know not everyone can make it out there, and we do everything we can here at the Russ Belleville Show to at least uh, give you that vicarious thrill of seeing legalization unfold out here on the West Coast. All right, this is our uh, last show for the week because tomorrow I'll be on that train. So coming up on today's show, right after our Cannabis Radio News, we're going to take a cannabis focus at the Surgeon General of the Army who really doesn't think medical marijuana would be all that good for soldiers with PTSD. We'll get behind some of the misconceptions she has over the cannabis plant uh, in that segment. Also, we'll have some drug war data mining. Uh, There's a report out that explains a drug policy alliance explaining how uh, California has had over a half million arrests for marijuana in the past decade, even with medical, even with decrim, half million arrests in the past decade. Then in our Cultivator's Corner coming up at half past, we'll be speaking with Justin Beck. He's the CEO of Cultivation Technologies Incorporated, and we're going to talk about this huge mega facility that they're building in Coachella, California, 115,000 square feet. We'll get him uh, to dish on that 
at half past the hour. Then at the end of the show, uh, hour one at least, we will have time for a radical rant. I've noticed a meme going around Facebook where everyone's writing down 6630507 on their hands. We'll tell you what that means and what it doesn't mean in the radical rant. Then stay tuned for hour two, Toker Talk Radio. We've got a story from Delaware about a medical marijuana patient who has lost her court case appealing her firing for medical marijuana use. We've got some Watsy reefer madness in Maine we've got to debunk. And five things you ought to know about legalizing recreational marijuana in the state of California. It's all coming up here on the Russ Belville Show exclusively on CannabisRadio.com and live from beautiful legal potland, Oregon. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. It's time to Hempresent with Anadina Stanger. I say to you with all the fervor of my soul that God intended men to be free. Rebellion against tyranny is a righteous cause. And I believe that with every ounce of my soul, we are fighting a righteous cause because people need nature. Marijuana! Hemp presents only on Cannabis Radio. Sweet sativa. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, August 18th, 2016. Washington, D.C., Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates announced that the feds will cease using private prisons. Yates wrote that the private prisons, quote, simply do not provide the same level of correctional services, programs, and resources. They do not save substantially on costs. And as noted in a recent report by the department's Office of Inspector General, they do not maintain the same level of safety and security, end quote. 
according to the Washington Post. The Department of Justice will not renew the contracts of 13 private facilities housing federal prisoners or cut back the scope of the contracts with the goal of eventually eliminating them altogether. Those facilities house over 22,000 prisoners. In 2014, the Bureau of Prisons spent $639 million on the facilities run by Corrections Corporation of America, GEO Group, and Management and Training Corporation. Helena, Montana. A Helena judge has rejected an advocacy group's request to delay enforcement of restrictions on Montana's medical marijuana industry. District Judge James Reynolds on Wednesday denied the Montana Cannabis Industry Association's request to stay a state Supreme Court order implementing the restrictions on August 31st. The group on its website urges medical marijuana supporters to now focus on passing a ballot initiative that would roll back the restrictions. After August 31st, medical marijuana providers will be barred from selling marijuana to more than three patients. The state Supreme Court earlier this year upheld that provision of a 2011 state law passed after the Montana Cannabis Industry Association sued to block it. The association has said the rollbacks would force the closure of dispensaries and leave patients without a legal way to obtain cannabis. Helena, Montana. Sponsors of an anti-marijuana initiative that failed to qualify for November's ballot are claiming they submitted enough signatures to put the measure before the voters, but that thousands of names were lost or wrongly rejected by county officials. The measure seeks to repeal Montana's medical marijuana law and declare that any drug illegal under federal law is also illegal under state law. The result would be a ban on marijuana use and possession in the state that includes the 13,170 medical marijuana patients on Montana's registry. The proposed initiative fell 4,137 signatures and one county short of qualifying for the ballot after county officials rejected 8,000 signatures as invalid. The approximately 6,000 lost and rejected signatures that the sponsors say are valid would put the measure over the top, Chief Petitioner Steve Zabawa said. Denver, Colorado. Four Colorado doctors accused of over-recommending medical marijuana have had their suspensions upheld by a judge who had previously blocked the suspensions. The Denver Post reports that the four doctors have recommended more than 75 cannabis plants for each of over 1,500 patients. Colorado medical marijuana law caps a patient's personal cannabis grow at six plants, but doctors can override that cap for patients truly in need. The doctors may not currently practice medicine and must now fight their case through administrative hearings with the state medical board. Charleston, West Virginia. A new report from the West Virginia Center on Budget and Policy claims the Mountaineer State could reap 26 to $45 million annually by legalizing marijuana. The Charleston Gazette-Mail reports that an additional $116 to $194 million could be generated by out-of-state residents coming to West Virginia to buy marijuana. West Virginia lacks any mechanism of citizen initiatives, and recent attempts at medical marijuana and decriminalization have failed repeatedly in the legislature. Columbus, Ohio. The Ohio Supreme Court is looking to clarify the services attorneys can provide to clients seeking to comply with the state's new medical marijuana law. The move comes after the court's Board of Professional Conduct had said attorneys can't ethically provide legal services to people setting up medical marijuana-related businesses because of federal prohibitions on the drug. Using, growing, and selling marijuana remains a federal crime. Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor said Wednesday the board's non-binding advisory opinion has caused some lawyers to question whether they can help clients follow the new law. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, August 18, 2016. 
I'm Russ Belville. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Well, today in the Cannabis Focus, we take a look at our veterans, particularly those suffering the effects of post-traumatic stress. And the states around the nation that have medical cannabis laws are increasingly adding post-traumatic stress to the qualifying conditions list. And, of course, we have the first FDA-approved study for whole plant cannabis to treat post-traumatic stress in our veterans. Dr. Sue Sisley is involved in that, and they are uh, currently looking for veterans to join the study uh, in Arizona and where's the other location? Was it Connecticut? Can't remember. But as we continue to see these positive developments with respect to post-traumatic stress, One agency that is still got its head in the sand or somewhere else is the United States Army, which continues to punish soldiers who might use cannabis to relieve the effects of post-traumatic stress. There's an article in Time, uh, Time Magazine, Time.com, that says the, uh, the headline is Top Army Doctor Leary of Treating PTSD with Marijuana. This would be Lieutenant General Nadia West. She is the Army's Surgeon General. And uh, she is skeptical about uh, medical cannabis for the treatment of post-traumatic stress. She says, quote, It's been found that using marijuana has a lot of adverse health effects. End quote. Adverse health effects. These guys go off to fight in a war. They come back with horrors and demons. Just 
rattling around in their brains. They have trouble adjusting back to civilian life. And we're going to worry they've got some sort of adverse health effect if they uh, use cannabis to treat that. Uh, what, they get fat from the munchies? <laughs> they they enjoy noodly guitar solos more? I mean, what's this adverse health effect? Well, General uh, West has some of these effects. Uh, she says, quote, marijuana is more dangerous with some of the carcinogens that are in it than tobacco. Oh, General West, the old... 400 carcinogens more tar than tobacco routine. Look, just because something has carcinogens in it does not mean it is carcinogenic. Water contains hydrogen, a highly explosive gas. Oxygen is also a flammable gas. But when you put hydrogen and oxygen together in a particular configuration of two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom, what do you know? It's neither explosive nor flammable because chemistry matters. And the chemistry of cannabis smoke, while it does contain many of the same carcinogens as tobacco smoke, as any burning vegetable matter smoke will, cannabis smoke also contains THC. THC has been shown to have an anti-tumoral effect, so much so that the largest case study on long-term cannabis smoking found that we didn't have less uh, uh, smoke-related damage than tobacco smokers. We had less risk of head, neck, and lung cancer than non-smokers. So we can put this to rest, this idea that, oh, cannabis smoking is dangerous because it has all these carcinogens in it. And... That's worst case scenario if someone is taking medical cannabis by smoking it. Many people are switching over to vaporization, which eliminates all of those burning hydrocarbon carcinogens that you're worried about from smoking bud. General West also says, so to make it sound as if it's perfectly safe, the impact that it has long term on certain areas of the brain, especially young people developing, that's been proven. Irreversible damage to the hippocampus and things like that that can really have impacts on individuals long term, end quote. Okay, the impacts on young people. So we're talking about 18 to 25, I presume, because uh, what I generally hear is that the development, brain development is done by age 25. So we're generally talking about most of your enlisted folks who enlist from as young as 17. And then, you know, by age 21, you're not often enlisting in the army. So we're saying these these soldiers' brains aren't developed enough to be able to handle the long-term developmental problems to uh, to the brain. Yet they're suffering from post-traumatic stress. Their underdeveloped brains are already under attack from a debilitating condition. How much smarter are they going to be or dumber they're going to be is irrelevant when their brains aren't working at all or are working in such a counterproductive manner as to make their lives unlivable. So please, General West, start to get some education on this so that our soldiers can get some relief from post-traumatic stress 
from a plant. One wife, <laughs> one God, that I can understand, but one wife that is not civilized. <laughs> well, folks, it's 4.20 in Denver, Colorado, and the rest of the mountain time zone. Hope you're having yourselves a great day. Remember, no show tomorrow because I'll be on my way to Hempfest. But we'll be back on Monday with all our Hempfest highlights, so stay tuned for that. We've got some drug war data mining coming up next. Maui Wowie. Acapulco Gold. California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Oh, Lady Marijuana Llama, tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Senator Mark Madsen of Utah. Mark, welcome to the show. Everybody kind of turns a blind eye. They obviously have to go to some other state. Representative Luke Fredericks. We're going to get something on the order of nonviolent possession offenses. State Representative Kathy Tilton. Where does it go from personal use to commercial use? It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. Get the latest updates on the Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking the Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has national resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the fingerboard extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we take a look at a new report from the Drug Policy Alliance uh, regarding the state of California and its efforts to legalize marijuana this fall with Prop 64, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. And one of the arguments we get from opponents of legalization, both the traditional opponents, the cops and the worried parents and the rehabbers and so forth, as well as the stoners against legalization, is an argument that goes like this, that, that marijuana, well, it's, it's essentially legal in California anyway. Why should we bother legalizing marijuana? It's essentially legal. 
There's no uh, no really uh, compelling reason for us to move forward. Uh, the group Citizens Against Legalizing Marijuana, uh, one of the opponent groups, wrote, quote, Since Prop 215, medical marijuana, was enacted in 1996, California has devolved into de facto legalization. And I always find this argument funny. So you're telling me that in California now, it's already as if it's legalized. So how could there be additional harm from making it official? If it's already effectively legalized, why not just make it official and start bringing in some tax revenue? I never understood that argument. Uh, There's another op-ed in the San Diego Union Tribune that wrote, quote, Californians no longer face the issue of teens or young people getting put in jail for minor marijuana possession, and we haven't for decades. Well, no, no, they didn't uh, decriminalize marijuana in California until 2010. So that's not decades, that's six years. But the new report from Drug Policy Alliance puts this issue uh, to rest by pointing out that tens of thousands of Californians every year are still getting arrested for marijuana. The report finds that between 2006 and 2015, there were nearly half a million marijuana arrests in California. Nearly half a million. Now, you can split these into two halves. From 2006 to 2010, which was before Arnold Schwarzenegger signed the decriminalization law, you end up with around 18, 17, 18,000 marijuana felonies a year and another 20, 40, yeah, 40 to 60,000 marijuana misdemeanors a year. That was up until 2010 when Prop 19 was on the ballot to legalize marijuana and to undercut support for it, Governor Schwarzenegger signed a bill that decriminalized possession of an ounce or less. From that point on, misdemeanors plummeted from the roughly 40 to 60,000 a year to about mm, 7,000 a year or so. A few thousand every year. Now, these are uh, uh, not people that are busted for less than an ounce of flour, but busts for concentrates, uh, having more than an ounce, or giving marijuana away to other people. The felony arrests have stayed virtually the same. Decriminalization didn't affect that. Under the Prop 64, possessing up to eight grams of concentrate will be legal. Giving away small quantities of flour and concentrate will be legal. Growing up to six plants will be legal. Now, this is not to say that legalizing marijuana is going to completely end the black market or in any way end all marijuana arrests. There will still be arrests, but there will be far, far fewer Another thing proponents point out is, and this uh, report from Drug Policy Alliance points out, is the racial disparity in marijuana arrests. Uh, Although blacks and whites in California use and sell marijuana at similar rates, California's blacks are roughly four times more likely to be arrested for marijuana offenses than whites are. According to the report, in 2015, black people were more than twice as likely as white people to be arrested for a marijuana misdemeanor and nearly five times more likely than white people to be arrested for a marijuana felony, end quote. So, no, marijuana is not de facto legal. 
there are still thousands and thousands of arrests each year. Now, the data themselves don't tell us how many of those arrests led to convictions or to any jail time. But the arrest by itself is enough to have some devastating consequences. If you're poor and you're arrested, you can't afford to make bail. So you sit in jail. And when you sit in jail, you can't make it to work. And then you lose your job. If you uh, got your car impounded in, in the arrest procedure, you may not have enough money to pay the impound lot. And you end up losing your car. And then when you lose your car, you have no way to get to work. And then you've lost your job again. So the arrests have an effect whether or not someone is ultimately convicted, whether or not they ultimately did jail time. Now, the good news uh, coming out of California in the polls, the most recent UC Berkeley poll found that 64% of the voters were in favor of making Prop uh, Prop 64 the law of the land and ending adult marijuana or beginning the end of adult marijuana prohibition in the state of California. We just got to keep people's minds on the point. And that is, we're not asking you to vote for the legalization you want versus the legalization you're getting. We're asking you to vote for the legalization you're getting versus the prohibition you've got right now. And yes, Lots of people will get their medical recommendation and do just fine under Prop 215, but so many more don't, as these arrest statistics have proven. All right, stay tuned. When we come back, we'll get into our Cultivator's Corner with Justin Beck, the CEO of Cultivation Technologies, Inc. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they... Pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. 
Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. They say marijuana grows like a weed. But growing high-quality marijuana takes more than just throwing a seed in the ground. Join us as we speak with the most recognized cannabis horticulturists in the world and take your live grow questions in our Cultivator's Corner. Welcome back, everyone. 32 after the hour, and today in our Cultivator's Corner, we are joined by Justin Beck. He's the CEO of Cultivation Technologies Incorporated. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Russ. Oh, so glad to have you here. And I received a press release that was explaining some very exciting news happening for your company, a, a new facility that's being uh, proposed in in Coachella, California. People know Coachella from the, uh, the uh, music festival, of course. Tell folks a little bit about this. What are you guys uh, up to down there? Sure. Well, we've been working on it for more than a year. Uh, we assisted the city with their ordinance in Coachella. And it's the first ordinance in the state to actually feature cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, transportation, and testing. And so we've uh, got a 111,500 square foot facility, which now has full entitlements from the city, including a conditional use permit and a development agreement. So we're ready to go. All right. And this is all on the uh, medical side under the MMRSA? Correct. Uh, Under that until such time as AUMA is likely passed in November. And so is there uh, any difficulty in transitioning over to that recreational side? Uh, Are you seeing any? There's going to be a learning curve um, simply because legislators um, are going to have to merge the bills because both AUMA and uh, MMRSA are going to be under the purview of the Bureau of Medical Cannabis Regulation under California. So there will be a few different things, but my understanding of the language right now is that if you are a cultivator for medical, then you're going to be prioritized, assuming that you're doing so under the standards of the state, you'll be prioritized to receive adult use licensing. Now, what again is going on in this 111,500 square foot facility? You've got processing, manufacturing, grow, testing, all of that? Yeah, there's um, actually three different manufacturers on site, four cultivation centers that are 22,000 square feet each, which actually have... 22,000 square feet of tray and inside of each building, and then a testing lab, a distributor, and then also transportation from the site. So that's uh, to comport with it. And I'm not entirely up on the MMRSA regulations, but isn't there a 22,000 square foot limit that you're, and that's why you've got four different cultivators going there? That's correct. Exactly, Russ. The limit on cultivation for indoor under the law is 22,000 square feet. So we actually fit, though, 22,000 square feet of tray inside each of those buildings through our proprietary vertical racking system. Right. Okay. So are each one of these grows then independently run? Are they subcontracted somehow? Yeah, they're independently run. So we do have tenants. However, uh, we have a synergistic relationship with our tenants wherein we don't actually control them, but we do work together. uh, And then we participate in the revenues from the facility. And they also have a really sound business because we provided them with uh, a permitted location in the biggest market in the world. Did you also mention there'd be uh, testing facilities, labs there? Yes, our, our testing facility is being designed by Stephen Goldner, who's um, the FDA advisor to National Institute of Health. 
So I think it'll be the only testing lab in California which is built to FDA standards. Wow. Now, how do you maintain uh, uh, maintain objectivity for that lab when you might be testing some of the, the products coming out of your own grows? Is there a, a standards being set in some way? Absolutely. It'll be an independent um, company that's that's performing the testing. So we're just having um, Mr. Goldner design the testing lab to exacting standards of FDA because uh, his pharmaceutical company will also be on site, which is called Abacis Pharma. And in order to have a, a pharma company on site, he's going to need access to an FDA quality lab, but it'll be independently operated. Okay, okay. We're speaking with uh, Justin Beck with the uh, Cultivation Technologies, Inc., and we're talking about their huge facility in Coachella that is uh, going up 111,500 square feet. And uh, how much um, control and direction do you have over the cultivators? Are, are they choosing which strains to grow? Is there any sort of uh, direction or vision from the company as to which strains to supply? Yeah, we're still ironing some of that out just to make sure that we conform with the state guidelines. Um, however, you know, our cultivators are all pretty experienced, so we are open to suggestions. One thing that we didn't want to deviate on, though, just to maintain uniformity, is the, the design of our facility's interiors. So we do utilize our Drag and Grow LED lighting and then um, our vertical racking system, as I suggested before. But the strains, um, we're still ironing out our genetics plan with our tenants. There's a lot of concern in California over uh, water. You've been through some drought years and, you know, other energy considerations as far as contributing greenhouse gases, carbon emissions. Uh, is your company involved in any way of in reducing those, uh, using recycling and such? Absolutely. Um, we're actually expecting to achieve LEED certification on our buildings. Uh, we are building gas-tight envelopes, so there's no loss of HVAC or energy inside by virtue of the gas-tight buildings. We're, we're putting solar across the entire top of the facility. We're using um, irrigation which, uh, and, and recycling of irrigation so that we don't waste water. Uh, we're reusing the water that does exit the facility for landscape. So we're really looking at every little tiny way that we can maximize the use of resources, including the use of drag and grow LED. Our lighting systems, you know, although on a per tray basis, they may not, they're pretty close to what HPS is. When you look at cubic production space, they're vastly superior. So we're absolutely maximizing resources. Excellent news. Now, uh, over the years, as we've looked forward to the legalization of cannabis, there have been many in the community that have this fear of what they consider the Walmartization of cannabis, that it's going to get too big, that it's going to be all corporate controlled. How do you ensure quality and, and consistency in such large grow facilities? And have you had this reaction from some people and how do you react to it yourself? Well, you know, as I mentioned, we're actually empowering, you know, entrepreneurs by through our model. So even though it's um, of that size, I just mentioned that there's actually nine different operating tenants on our site. So it's not as if the whole business is ours. But I certainly have a respect for those in the industry that don't want to see its uh, outright commercialization. I'm a medical cannabis patient and activist. I always have been. And, you know, I think that there's room for both, though, because there are some benefits to larger scale because, you know, you have, like you said, uh, standardization, you have certain um, 
economies of scale, which is a better use of resources. So, you know, I, I do have a respect for those that don't want to see projects of this scale. However, I maintain that it's it's good for the it's good for the market. Is your plan with uh, Cultivation Technologies Inc. to stay with indoor grows or maybe branch out into outdoor or greenhouse facilities? This first one, we wanted to create a really good base for our brand, which is entitled Coachella, the brand of cannabis. And we really wanted to create a base of indoor product first, but we're absolutely interested in both greenhouse and outdoor projects. Uh, however, we're really big on eliminating the use of pesticides in our grows. So we do want, though, in the near next 12 months or so to put together a project for both greenhouse and for outdoor. Mm. We'd love to see that uh, take off. Uh, again, we're speaking with Justin Beck, the CEO of Cultivation Technology, Inc., and you can find them at Cultivation Tech on Twitter and Facebook. I was looking that up earlier. And uh, what else can we tell people about Cultivation Tech? Do you have any other projects uh, you're looking at or to expand beyond California? Yeah, we are working on several projects actually within California. I think that the market here is large enough to say the least. That's true. And we have enough to keep us busy. But I do want to draw attention um, to everybody for an event we're hosting to benefit cannabinoid research at UC Irvine. Uh, so Dr. Daniela Piamelli is one of the world's most renowned cannabinoid research scientists. He's the author of Cannabis and Cannabinoid Research, which is the only peer-reviewed scientific publication for cannabis. So we're hosting an event on August 26th called The End of Opiates, and we're going to be discussing things um, on the advances in research for pain management that hopefully one day are going to replace the opiates and opioids, which are killing people. You know, millions are suffering from addiction. So our company is trying to assist PMLE's lab with awareness, donations, sponsorships, etc. So again, that's on August 26th, and you can find End of Opiates uh, through Eventbrite on August 26th. Excellent. And, and where is this again being held? I'm sorry, it's in Costa Mesa at Avenue of the Arts Hotel. And again, it's to benefit UC Irvine's can Cannabinoid Research Department. Wow, that's that's great. Uh, yeah, get online and check that out, folks, because uh, the more research, the more help we can get on this, the better for all of us. And uh, how has the uh, local community uh, reacted to this uh, in your area? It's not exactly uh, the Bay Area, right? I mean, it's more, uh, more of a conservative area, isn't it? It is, but, you know, Russ... The city of Coachella has been fantastic. The, the city leaders there recognize the economic opportunity that cannabis brings, and they're already an agricultural community. So imagine this for a moment. You are a city that has an approximate $20 million annual budget. Our project, just our six-acre project, is likely to take them from a $20 million to a $25 million annual budget. So an additional $5 million in fees to the city just from our project so to say that they are ecstatic would be an understatement. In fact, you know, even members of the public who aren't really positioned either way on cannabis just really recognize what the additional revenue will mean for their little city. How many uh, jobs will this create, do you estimate? I, I can't really put a real number on it, but I think more than 100. Ooh. Well, that's got to be good for any town. Absolutely. Well, uh, we appreciate you joining us here, Justin, and we got about a minute left. So let me give you a chance to, uh, you know, let people know the websites or any other contact information you'd like people to know. Sure. Again, uh, our website is cultivationtech.com. And then I encourage everyone to visit Eventbrite and look up the event 
end of opiates. We're working with Dr. Daniela Piamelli, Dr. Sands, Stephen Goldner to end the opiate and opioid epidemic that's sweeping our nation through research of cannabis. So we'd love to have everybody there. Also, love any don- uh, donations of any amount. Get online, check it out. End of opiates on Eventbrite and cultivationtech.com at Cultivation Tech on Twitter and on Facebook. Justin Beck is the CEO. We appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and uh, good luck on that mega facility. It sounds pretty amazing. Thanks, Russ. I'll keep you posted. All I right. appreciate your time. Absolutely. All right. We're going to uh, take a break. And uh, when we come back, we'll have time for our radical rant. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this meme that's going around on Facebook of people writing down 6630507 on their hands. What does it mean? And what does it not mean when we return? Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. The cannabis business industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. My guests say Razzy Berry. We're talking about nature, naturopathic medicine, as well as the concept of prevention and preventing disease. Empower people to live a naturopathic lifestyle. Get to know your body, understand its rhythms, remove toxins, and use natural alternatives whenever possible. 90 to 95% of cancers are due to environment and lifestyle risk factors. That's a huge number. That means that cancer is preventable. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. This is Dan Michaels from DanMichaelsAudio.com and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. 
Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it, and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. Today in the Radical Rant, I want to talk about a meme that I've been seeing go around on Facebook. A lot of the people in my Facebook feed have been posting pictures of their hand, and written on their hand, it says, Google... Patent number 6630507. And the idea behind this is to have people, it's, it's, it's in reaction to the DEA refusing to reschedule cannabis, continuing to say that cannabis has no accepted medical use in the United States. And of course, you know, people react to that saying, but there's 25 medical marijuana states. Yes, but that's not the Fed saying there's an accepted use of marijuana in the United States. That's California saying there's an accepted use in California. That's Oregon saying there's an accepted use in Oregon, and so on. And they don't decide for the United States as a country. They decide for their states as a state. So recognized use in the United States means the country of the United States not any individual sovereign state that has recognized it. And I know this sounds stupid and hair splitting and ridiculous. The FDA is saying there's no recognized use in the United States, even though a bunch of states recognize it. Aren't those states in the United States? Yes, they are in the United States, but that's not the kind of in they're talking about. It it gets into this hair splitting kind of uh, grammatical mess, if you will. I'm trying to think of the right word for it. (laughs) But uh, that's the way it is. And it has been for 46 years now under the Controlled Substances Act. And so this 6630507 is supposed to be the follow-up to that. Aha! So you're saying there has to be federal recognition. Why? I've got your federal recognition right here. 6630507. United States Patent and Trademark Office, the patent on cannabinoids as neuroprotectants and antioxidants held by the United States government. Bam, checkmate, we win. Federal recognition of medical use. Sorry. No. Now, I appreciate the people who are doing the meme. I'm not against the meme, right? I'm not against it because anything that gets people to Google this stuff and look it up and have more knowledge is a good thing in and of itself. But what the, the point of the argument, that the point that the argument is trying to make is a moot point. 
because those patents are not on cannabis. Those patents are on cannabinoids. The individual molecules taken from the cannabis plant. And that's the whole point of this game that's being played here. Of this chess match that we got going on with the DEA for 46 years. Is that we're trying to put a leaf-shaped drug through a pill-shaped hole. The FDA and its evaluation of what is and is not medicine in the United States. Has to evaluate things that are reproducible, consistent dosages of, a spe- of specific sets of molecules. And a plant can never be that. So when the United States government says, yeah, we've patented CBD, this particular CBD for neuroprotectant antioxidant, it's because they can reproduce that particular molecule every time, and that's a patentable thing, right? But a plant itself, you cannot. And that's why it's never going to fit. It's never going to win this game. And the more we keep this mindset of trying to play silver bullets, trying to play gotcha games with the government, I mean, this fourth petition that's gone down now has tried to do what the same three petitions before have done, is trying to show how ridiculous it is to say there's no medical use, which from a logical and medical and scientific standpoint is absolutely true. But logic and science and medicine aren't law. And under the law, what is medical is not a determination of doctors or of patients or of states or of voters. It's a determination of the FDA. And the rules are set up in a way that the FDA can only evaluate things that are pills or that are reproducible, you know, sprays, inhalers, liquids, and so on, but consistently factory manufactured types of things. So when this meme goes up, the 6630507, you're trying to get people into that cognitive dissonance frame where they say, wait a minute, the feds say that it's not medicine over here, but they say it's medicine over there. But that's already set up with respect to medical cannabis anyway for most people. For most people, they already know it's medicine if they're if they've got their eyes open and they can see epileptic kids stop seizing and cancer patients go into remission and people living with chronic pain be able to kick their opioid painkillers. Anybody paying attention knows that it has medical use in the United States. So continuing to beat that drum by saying, aha, we got you feds. We got you with the with the patent thing is the. It just it continues this line of thinking that gets into magical thinking that there's going to be this one magic bullet, one particular gotcha moment where we overturn prohibition altogether. And 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 I just don't think it's there. I do think there is a pathway toward that reality of overturning prohibition, but I don't think it lies through arguing the medical utility of the plant because right now plants can't be medical. They're not they're, They are things that are not medical having that argument. It doesn't matter. If you want to find a silver bullet, if you want to find the key that unlocks marijuana prohibition in this country, it lies in our natural rights. It lies in our hemp heritage. It lies in our founding fathers. It lies in our Ninth Amendment. 
the enumeration in this Constitution of certain rights is not meant to deny or disparage others retained by the people. The Constitution was formed with the idea that we were granted inalienable rights, natural rights from our Creator, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those are, those are the top three. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. There's a bunch more. And we didn't have time to write them all down. Constitution was long enough as it was, and feather quills and ink are precious, right? So we're not going to write them all down. We're not going to write all the rights down. Maybe we forgot some. And I would just go to my grave betting that an that an agricultural society founded by a bunch of plantation farmers would have to think that farming was a natural right that any landed gentry cuz they you know they wrote all men are created equal and they meant you know white landed gentry but they were on the right track <laughs> And we're making it better. We're still making a more perfect union. We're not perfect yet. We're continuing to improve. But at the very least, I would have thought that the founding fathers couldn't have imagined that an, uh, that an agent of the state could go to someone who owns land and tell them what crops they could and could not plant. Well, maybe. I guess they were required to plant hemp, weren't they? <laughs> I think that only underscores my point. <laughs> if they were required to plant hemp, does that not also argue for there being a natural right for us to do so? And within that Ninth Amendment, combined with our First Amendment that gives us freedom of expression, freedom of speech, and freedom of belief, freedom of assembly, there's got to be within all of that, Ninth plus First Amendment, a right to our consciousness and therefore to alter our consciousness. If I can't be told what to think, how can I be told how to think or how to alter my thinking? I, I just firmly believe this, and I, I, I keep despairing over the continued meandering down this box canyon trail of medical marijuana that only leads to the pharmacy. That's where medical marijuana goes. It leads to the pharmacy. If you want to be able to use whole plant marijuana as a medical option, you need to get behind this idea that cannabis use is a right for whatever reason. There's no qualifier. You don't need any third party to judge your right to be able to use cannabis. Cannabis consumers... To say one good thing about the NRA, if we got to be as politically active and fervent about our use being not something that should be allowed because we're sick, something that shouldn't be punished because it's a waste of money, but something that's a right, whether it helps us or not, whether it costs society money or not, whether it harms society in any measurable way or not, it's still our right. And if we recognize a right to guns, for God's sake, we got to recognize a right to plants. It's all the time we got for Hour 1. Stay tuned. Hour 2 is next. Lots of stories coming up. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show.
The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down to It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tope. I inhale. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about tope on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard. Have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and and the the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonza Graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Oh, yeah. Welcome back, Tokers and Tokets. It's hour two. Toker Talk Radio. As we were uh, going out on the rant, I was kind of musing about the political power of the NRA. And one of our chat room, one of the Johns. Oh, no. It's not a John. Well, you know, everyone in our chat room, by the way, is an honorary John. Michael, you're a John. Run around, you're a John. Howdy, you're a John. Uh, I've decided that uh, our chat room, by, by the way, the uh, longtime listeners and fans of the Russ Belleville show shall henceforth be known as Reefer Radicals. And among the Reefer Radicals, everyone shall be named John. <laughs> you can have a second name or whatever, but we're going to be like uh, the, the Lectroids uh, from Planet 10 in Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. They're all named John. Anyway, uh, we were uh, we were talking about in the rant how uh, the NRA, right, and and how Second Amendment people, as Donald Trump would call them, have such political clout, and and part of that is their fervent belief in the absolute sanctity of the right to keep and bear arms. We can argue about the commas and the well-regulated militia part, but I'm not talking about the actual subject i'm just talking about their political clout their power right and how if cannabis consumers had more of of that attitude toward the ninth amendment the ninth amendment which says just because we wrote a bunch of rights in the constitution doesn't mean you have a bunch of other rights and i think one of those rights has to be planting crops and sowing seeds and and tending to your own consciousness and the other part i didn't add to that rant though is about 
how drunk the founding fathers were. These guys were some heavy drinkers. You should check out the history, the, the constitutional bar tab, uh, the, the bar tab uh, from the constitutional conventions. These guys put away the liquor. Okay. So a bunch of drunk hemp farmers had to think that planting seeds, sowing crops and getting fucked up were natural rights. I, I, I can't reconcile the equation <laughs> where they don't think that. And so if we cannabis consumers had that attitude toward the Ninth Amendment, made that our pet amendment, right? And made that our crusade that we have a right to smoke pot. No matter what the hell you think about it, you have no right to tell us what we do with our bodies. Take some of that NRA rights thing and take some of that uh, pro-choice, my body, my choice rhetoric. Add that together. That now, now we got support on both sides, you know, left and right. Are you pro-choice? Well, then you have to be pro-pot. My body, my choice. Oh, you're you're NRA. Oh, so you're you're all about constitutional rights and 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 natural. Oh, well, now you're on our side too. I'm trying to appeal to both sides here, right? And so, in the chat room, one of the Johns in the chat room, we're honorary John. Uh, pointed out that the NRA also has a manufacturing base behind it in the gun manufacturers, right? It's like, oh, yeah. It's amazing how much stronger your rights are when you have these major profitable corporations behind them. And so as we continue to legalize cannabis and we get more of these big cannabis businesses, we start to get lobbying power. We start to get clout. Here in Oregon, we've got a a small case of that going on. So we've got the Eastern Oregon, uh, or as I call it, Western Idaho, but all of Eastern Oregon, anti-pot, and they lobbied to get their special exemption from the state initiative so that when they make their bans, they don't automatically go on the ballot. Okay, So the leader who spearheaded that was a guy named Ted Ferrioli out of Eastern Oregon. And so Ted Ferrioli is like the Senate minority leader uh, for the Republicans in, in Oregon. He you know stomped his feet until he got this uh, passed. And to give him full credit, he's also the guy that got us the early sales of, of uh, flour uh, to recreational consumers out of our dispensaries. So he's, I'm not trying to paint him as a villain. He's, that was a great thing. I was like, thank you. Uh, and especially from who it came from. It's like, uh, uh, thank you. And you're just thinking, this has got to be a trick. <laughs> this Republican guy's giving us pot sales early. Uh, what the? <laughs> so anyway, uh, Ferrioli then endured the wrath of the medical marijuana patient community because folded into this thing of allowing the Eastern counties to ban was not just the recreational bans, but the medical bans too. So that was kind of problematic. And so a activist uh, named Stormy Ray, who, by the way, she was the proponent of our initial uh, 1998 medical uh, law initiative. Uh, Stormy Ray, she's a quadriplegic woman, a longtime patient. She ran against Ted Ferrioli. Now, she didn't win, didn't even come close to winning, but she did get 4,000 votes. And so now we're starting to get all of this... uh, we're starting to hear from Ted Ferrioli's camp about, well, maybe we ought to revisit this and maybe we ought to look at that kind of warming up to some of the uh, cannabis people's needs, some of the patients needs and so forth. So it's interesting 
that here we got this guy and and in eastern oregon really your uh your election is the primaries, right? Because the Democrats don't stand a chance, right? So there's another guy coming up challenging Ferrioli for his seat who's kind of pro-cannabis as well. And so now even Republicans in the state are having to scramble and adjust their ideology for the new realities. And these guys also, these Eastern Oregon guys who were so gung-ho on letting their towns and counties have these bans, they start to hear the stories of those places like Huntington. There's one little city in far eastern Oregon. It's the only place, like little town of 700 or something. Little town that's got the only dispens- uh, pot shop for miles, you know, hundreds of miles, revitalizing that community, increasing that city's budget. They hear those stories, start to question, hmm, maybe we made a mistake here. Hey, maybe the pot's not so bad. Or maybe, uh... And that was a lot of the argument from some of those uh, Eastern Oregon guys as well was, you know, just culturally, they're not ready for it. Let's not force it on them right now. But as time goes by, they'll they'll come. They'll come around. They'll change their minds. Maybe that's happening. I don't know. It's interesting how politics are starting to change as cannabis becomes legit and we get money. We got big money interests now that can play this lobbying game that can play this political game and it's going to be up to us as the cannabis consumers to ensure that those companies are pushing not just their own bottom line agenda but also what's best for us as consumers it's going to be up to us to make maintain that they start taking stances against corporate drug testing for example and we can do it i i really I really think we're going to evolve a better sort of uh, corporate entity. I hope so. I think as long as uh, federal prohibition exists and it's Schedule 1, and all these corporate entities have to pretty much stay at the state level, I think things are good. After 2020, <laughs> when California starts kicking off their mega grows, and who knows, we got a second-term Democrat and more than 35 states with medical marijuana. Who knows where we'll be, but it's interesting to think about. We're going to take a break. When we come back, a judge rules against an employee, a medical marijuana patient in Delaware. We'll tell you why. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show. Uh, St. Peter auditioning to be the Microsoft Weed Software uh, spokesman. Hey, this is St. Peter for Microsoft. They track weed. Does that mean they're going like, to track the weed? Is that what this is about, Jesus? I'm not going to be tracked, Jesus. I'm not going to have my fucking weed tracked. And I'm not going to have fucking Microsoft 
track me back to my fucking house through my weed to where they fucking spied on people with that goddamn Xbox camera. Fuck this. Fuck Microsoft. Fuck this bullshit. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everyone. 13 after the hour, and of course, we're passing medical cannabis laws all across America, 25 states, Puerto Rico, Guam, and Washington, D.C. all have medical cannabis laws. A varying effectiveness. But in all the states so far, well, I can't say all of them. I think I think Massachusetts has an employee protection and maybe some of the newer ones. But uh, at least in the earliest medical marijuana states, the best known ones, it's been impossible as a medical marijuana patient to have any sort of guarantee as to your employment. I've had cases in Washington, Oregon. California, Colorado, and Michigan that have gone all the way to their state's Supreme Courts, and they've all found that just because you're a medical marijuana patient doesn't mean your employer can't have a drug-free workplace and have P-tests and fire you or not hire you if you are a cannabis consumer. So this has been long known out west here, and, and it's not right. But it's the way it is because cannabis is federally illegal. It all goes back to the whole Schedule 1 drug thing. Also, in a lot of these early uh, medical cannabis laws, they explicitly state that this, you know, no, there's no accommodation for medical marijuana in the workplace. And accommodation gets stretched to mean that your medical marijuana doesn't mean we can't fire you. We meant accommodation meant you don't have to let them smoke pot at work. <laughs> and that when you're not explicit about things, sometimes that's the way the law goes for you, right? Well, there's this story that I, I fell upon today uh, out of Delaware Online uh, about a receptionist who used to work in the town of Ocean View, Delaware, worked at the town hall. She lost her job. And she lost her job because she tested positive on a drug test. And after she tested positive, refused to stop using cannabis and then got on her Facebook page and complained about it 
And so, yeah, she got fired. She is a medical marijuana patient. She uses marijuana daily to cope with Lyme disease. But a court ruled that uh, now she she got fired. Right. And then they wouldn't give her unemployment. Because she got fired for cause. She got fired for violating Ocean View Town Hall's drug-free workplace policies. Their anti-drug, anti-marijuana policies. So she couldn't get unemployment. And so, so she sued. And the first court agreed with her. Said, no, she wasn't fired for cause. She didn't do anything wrong in her job. And so she was able to get her unemployment. And so she started to get her unemployment checks. Well... The town then goes and uh, appeals that decision. And this is what we got out of the appeals court is that, no, she was fired for cause. And because of that, now she has to give back the $8,000 in unemployment benefits that she got. How, that, how nice is that? You win the case, you get your unemployment, you're finally able to pay the bills and live. And then, nope, psych, <laughs> give all that money back. You didn't spend it, did you? So the sad thing here is the timing of all of it, because as lousy as a decision it is, as it is, the judge is absolutely right in this case. And here's why. At the time that this woman got busted, failing her P-test at work, she was not a medical marijuana patient. Furthermore, at the time she got busted, it was May of what was the year here? It was May of uh, 2011 that she got busted. Decriminalization didn't happen in Delaware till December of that year. So it wasn't even decrim marijuana that she's possessing or using. It was fully illegal. And in her defense, she argued that her job should be protected because the Delaware medical marijuana law has some sort of protection for people's employment. So she sued, and part of her defense here was that she would have a medical marijuana card for her condition, but... The state of Delaware was so slow in getting their program off the ground that she was unable to get a medical marijuana card. She has one now, but at the time she was failing the P-test, she didn't have a medical card. And she's saying, well, I would have, but the state didn't have their shit together. And the judge today said, uh, sorry, that's, n- <laughs> that's not going to cut it. Y- you can't blame your breaking the law on the state, not facilitating you a way to not break the law in time. <laughs> so it was a flimsy sort of uh, case that she was offering. And, and the more I, I read through the, the actual decision, the more I read the decision, I was like, I can't believe that this actually made it all the way to appeal. Like that, like the first court agreed with her. That was surprising to me. Arguing that you should have had a, uh, I would have had a legal card. I would have had a driver's license, but I never got around to, uh, yeah, that just didn't make any sense to me. So this is on Delaware online if you want to follow up on that. But 
it's just another another one of those. I just thought it was a strange case to try to argue what you should have had, but the government didn't wasn't didn't get their stuff together on time. I don't think that's going to fly in any sort of uh, case. It's one of those dog eat your homework types of excuses, isn't it? But uh, it does underscore the fact that our medical marijuana patients out there oftentimes have to choose between their health and their employment because of this continued drug testing. I drank beer heavily and tried drugs enthusiastically. Good for you, Mr. President. I knew there was something I liked about you. It's 420 here in the hot Pacific Northwest. It's up into the 90s out here. Oy vey. Time for our union mandated safety briefing. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, some what about the children reefer madness in the state of Maine. I'm Radical Russ. We're back after this. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. The Russ Belleville Show, where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. Marijuana is an addictive drug which produces in its users insanity, criminality, and death. Marijuana is the most violence-causing drug in the history of mankind. If the hideous monster Frankenstein came face-to-face with the monster of marijuana, he dropped it from fright. You know, it's not easy countering seven decades of propaganda in a two-hour show, but let's try. It's time time for the the Russ Russ Belleville Show's Show's Reefer Madness Madness Debunked. Today in Reefer Madness Debunked, we take a look at an op-ed in the Bangor Daily News by Patty Hamilton. 
Patty Hamilton is the public health director for the city of Bangor, Maine. And uh, her op-ed says, With legalization comes more marijuana use, and our children stand to lose the most. Now, it's important to note that this is one of those kind of statements, and, and you'll get a lot of these from prohibitionists, that are technically true, but misleading. So the statement, with legalization comes more marijuana use, that's true. Our children stand to lose the most. Well, as far as who could be harmed from marijuana use, children would be most likely to be harmed. But the combination of those two sentences, the comma and the and, implying they have one to do with another is the problem. With legalization comes more use of marijuana by adults, not children. So our children don't stand to lose the most. The surveys have shown that the fastest growing demographic of cannabis consumers are people over the age of 50. They've tripled in the past decade. The cannabis, the teen cannabis consumer numbers have stayed relatively the same. But uh, Patty Hamilton goes on to write that despite our best efforts, the new users will likely include our children and marijuana will make its way onto our school grounds. We know from sound validated research that marijuana may not be the most harmful drug, but it does not come without dangers. And so some of the dangers she lists, um, for some addiction is a real possibility. Yeah. For anything, for some people, an addiction is a real possibility, but let's take a look at the severity of the addiction. Let's take a look at the worst case scenario of someone who's addicted to pot. It's not going to kill them. They're not going to overdose and die on it. They're not going to cause a lot of problems in society. We are fully willing to admit some people do not do well on pot. That does not give us license to punish the ones of us, the vast majority, who do do well on pot. Especially in a society that makes that consideration for drinkers. If this were an argument about public health, we, we could see your point if you hadn't already conceded it to alcohol and tobacco. Oh, too late for them. There's nothing we can do. But you want to pick on the marijuana smokers. All right. She goes on also to say, for youth who are daily users, declines in measured intelligence, difficulty concentrating, memory problems, and greater risk of mental health disorders such as schizophrenia and bipolar disorder have been demonstrated. Nobody wants any kids to be smoking pot daily for non-medical purposes. But taking the worst case scenario of what the worst kid involved with marijuana could be and using that as the justification to continue arresting, fining, harassing, locking up cannabis consumers and turning over a multi-billion dollar industry to criminal in uh, criminal actors is is quite disproportionate to the problem that you're worried about. She also says 
Does this mean everyone who uses will suffer these consequences? Of course not. What we do know is with greater access and availability, there will be greater use. This is particularly troublesome for our youth. Research indicates that adolescence, once thought to end at age 19, actually continues to age 25. The brain, particularly the centers for judgment and complex thinking, is still developing until that time. Well, that's pretty compelling stuff. Brain doesn't stop developing till 25. So I'm imagining then you are calling for the raise of the drinking age the smoking age, the voting age, and the enlistment age to 25. Oh, no? We're going to keep the drinking age at 21. We're going to keep it so that people can use the incredibly harmful toxic alcohol that damages their developing brain to a far greater extent than cannabis ever would. We're going to pick on cannabis, though. We're going to let them smoke in some, some states at the age of 18, some in the stage age 19, a couple states now age of 21. We're going to let all that nicotine get them addicted and hook them, all, some of them for life, because their brains haven't developed all the way to 25. I'm sorry, I don't take seriously this, oh no, we're worried about people until age 25 argument, when again, it's only cannabis you seem to make that argument about. Please take that little factoid out to the next public town hall and talk about raising the drinking age in Maine to 25. See how well that flies. She also goes on to say that we know marijuana has the potential to be helpful in certain diseases. We know medications like antibiotics and non-steroidal pain relievers such as ibuprofen are certainly helpful, but with overuse, they can potentially cause harm. In fact, recent efforts within the medical and public health community have been aimed at encouraging providers and patients to limit the use of such medications. What we should be able to agree on is that, much like all medications, widespread use of marijuana should not be encouraged or condoned, especially among our youth. Now, here's another one of those classic bait-and-switch misdirections. The reason we're telling people to not use so many antibiotics is because the overuse of them is causing the bugs to become antibiotic resistant. There's a demonstrable harm from the overuse of the antibiotics. We're telling people to stop using so many non-steroidal pain relievers, NSAIDs like ibuprofen, because the overuse of them is damaging people's livers. So making the argument that we are supposed to be limiting the use of antibiotics and pain relievers to be an argument to limit our use of cannabis when its use could replace the antibiotics and pain relievers, <laughs> we should be encouraging more of its use if you're trying to say we should have less of the antibiotics and NSAIDs. And again, why is this... I've never understood how these prohibitionists think prohibition is what's keeping kids from wanting to use any sort of drug. And that legalization somehow tells kids it's okay. They often like to say, well, obviously, because, you know, half the people drink alcohol and it's legal, but only... You know, 13% of the people smoke marijuana because it's illegal. But see how it's gone up since since it's become more legal. More people are going to use it. 
how popular a drug is doesn't really have a whole lot to do with whether it's legal or illegal or scheduled or unscheduled. It has a whole lot to do with what is the effect of that drug. See, so many of these people won't accept that there is a supply and demand and that there's a lot of drugs on the menu and some items are cheeseburgers and lots of people eat them and love them. And other things are, you know, kimchi. They're perfectly decent foods, but not as likely to be ordered. The same applies with drugs. You got cannabis, LSD, PCP, and mushrooms, and ecstasy, all in Schedule 1. But they're not all the same popularity. There are 33 million cannabis consumers. There's less than a million people that are munching on acid. Half a million, maybe, in this country. Ecstasy, you might have a million or so, party club kids and stuff. PCP, tens of thousands, I hope. I hope there's not a whole lot. There's all sorts of factors that have to do with how popular a drug is, and legality is one of the lesser factors. Now, as cannabis becomes legal, the people who do use cannabis use more of it. We've seen the ratio of daily to monthly pot smokers go from one in nine to one in three as it's become more legal. And I know that from my own experience. You know, I've always been a fairly regular cannabis consumer, but back in the day, there were times when I would run dry back in Idaho. Here in Oregon, and with the work I do, it's rare there's a dry day. Very rare. And I've got plenty of supply, so I smoke more than I ever have. And that, by the definition of the Patty Hamiltons of the world, is in and of itself abuse and problematic and addictive. And for me, it's only made my life better and better. So Patty Hamilton, strongly against the legalization of marijuana in Maine because the world will fall apart if we take the market that already exists and the people that are already smoking and legitimize it and tax it and regulate it. How many, how many states do you think? Uh, it's just interesting to me because you know we've done it in four states now. Sky hasn't fallen in any of them. They all seem to be doing just fine and all sorts of towns and counties and the state itself are making all sorts of money. How many states do you think before they can't make that argument anymore? Before the sky is going to fall arguments can't be made. I mean, I'd have thought the gateway theory argument couldn't be made anymore, but some people still make it. There are people still making that there's more carcinogens in marijuana than there are in tobacco. Those all these these old reefer madness pieces, they die slow, painful deaths. I don't know that how long it's going to take us to get rid of this one, how many states it's going to take. But I can tell you, California passing, California passing and life going on with legal pot in California, legal pot on the entire West Coast. I think that's going to that's going to change things pretty quickly. I don't know what the arguments are going to be after we get this much legality going on in the United States. How are they? You know, it's it's going to increasingly 
become obvious to people that the only real reason people are rejecting marijuana legalization is can of bigotry is just a bigotry, a cultural bigotry against the people who use it or what they think cannabis represents hippies or anti-Vietnam or you know, whatever left-wing politics, whatever it might be. I'd like to think that we can kill that. I think I'd like to think that after California passes by 2020, It'll be impossible to make the sky is going to fall argument. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about California legalization. Five things you ought to know. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your PhD in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. (sighs) Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, FiredUpLawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email firedupplawyer at gmail.com. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. (coughs) Or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Quick update on the story we talked about earlier in the show. One of our headlines in Cannabis Radio News is how the uh, Department of Justice uh, Deputy Attorney General had announced that uh, the federal government will no longer be utilizing the services of the private prison industry 
13 facilities around the United States housing over 22,000 federal prisoners being run by three private prison companies, the Corrections Corporations of America, the Geo Group, and the other guys whose uh, name I forget. Anyway, upon the news of this happening today, on the New York Stock Exchange, Corrections Corporation of America's Shares have plummeted from $27.22 a share to $21.40. They're down 21.38%. That's the kind of news I like to hear. Private prison corporations losing money makes me happy. So, uh... Let's talk about California legalization, shall we? Proposition 64. I continue to get uh, notes and, and comments from people. I got one on my, uh, on my uh, Skype from a fellow named Cody. And, and it's these people that, um, you know, there's this, this uh, what do I call it? I'm not exactly sure, but this these people that want to be rebels they they have in their mind some wild you know view of the world where everyone's out to get them it's all conspiracies the whole the fix is in and they're the noble rebels trying to take it all down and so we get this with prop 64 right with the california legalization because you get this group of people that is like oh well it's you know it's backed by a billionaire therefore it must be bad up oh, it's 62 pages long therefore there must be stuff hidden in there to trick us all it's merely signing over the cannabis plant to the corporate entities of the world which by the way any legalization is signing cannabis over to corporate entities because any legalization is what creates a legal cannabis market and any legal market is going to have corporate entities in it. Corporations are some of the entities that do business sell, producing and selling products in America, and cannabis, once it's legalized, is a product. I don't get this. Now, Now I think we can do better as far as building our industries, being more inclusive, more female leaders, more minority leaders, to have better business ethics, etc., but to think that cannabis is somehow completely immune from the laws and the rules and the traditions governing capitalism in this country just seems to me a little too woo-woo, a little too crystals for me, you know? Any legalization means there will be corporate entities involved because now it's legal, now it's a business, and corporations do business. So, so I get tired of that. Oh my God, we get, it's signing it all over to the corporations. Good. That means it's legal. That means we're not going to get busted for it any. And, and, and to remember the reverse of it is the only way we can keep the corporations off of, out of marijuana is to continue to keep it illegal. That's the only way the corporations stay out of the marijuana business is if it, stays illegal then the only people that can be in the business are independent uh, businessmen 
breaking the law and the cartels and the conspiracies that form from that. So, yes, legalizing is going to involve corporate entities. So I, I get this message from Cody. And it's set up. It's uh, very concern trolly. You know what concern trolling is? Someone who's obviously against you, but they're trying to frame things in such a way to try to sway you. So he's, he gives me four questions. This, this came to me on Saturday. So que- question one. They will dedicate to this to uh, John McLaughlin, who passed away recently from the McLaughlin group. Issue number one. Does the Prop 64 allow the legislature to amend with both majority and two-thirds votes any or all of this initiative as long as it meets the requirements of furthering the purpose, which is to control, regulate, and tax? Like, uh, yeah, it does. The initiative is set up so that a bare majority is needed to maintain or improve Prop 64. Two-thirds is needed to make it more strict. But what he's getting at this is kind of a loaded question. So like, if you say yes to this, he'll say, aha, see, the further to, to further control is going to be more control. They only need a bare majority to control us. Ah, they'll control. They'll control. That's what that's leading to. Which leads us to issue number two. He, he asks, do you believe that the greed for sales of recreational and increased taxes won't lead to lobbyists from big cannabis whining and dining the state lawmakers to get them to remove all home growing? Uh, no, I do not believe that. See, Colorado has greed for sales of recreational and increased taxing, and they have big cannabis industries, and they have lobbyists, and they're not arguing to remove home grow rights. Oh, but that's uh, Colorado. It's in their constitution. All right, Oregon. Oregon has cannabis businesses. We're not lobbying to remove people's home grow rights. This idea, this is the, we can't vote for it because then the people in power are going to oppress us. If we vote for this thing, the corporations that make all the money from the weed Why? They're going to go to Sacramento and twist arms and make it so that they repeal the part that allows us to home grow. Now, keep in mind, repealing that part, remember from question one, it would take a two-thirds majority because they would be restricting. They'd be going against the purpose. They'd be restricting rights. They'd need a two-thirds majority, but that's what's going to happen. The corporations will come into control and fearing the competition from Bob growing his six plants in the closet, they're going to outlaw home growing. That's what they're going to do. So let's take that at face value. Let's just pretend that's possible. What you're telling me is that we could have a situation where the people in power make it illegal to grow cannabis plants at home, which is different than it is now how <laughs> that that's my ultimate argument to, to most of these things is that like we're oppressed now cops can arrest you now they can forbid your home growing now so you're trying to scare me with a scenario where it could be as bad as things are now <laughs> i just I don't see it. And it wouldn't even be as bad because we'd still have legal possession and legal pot shops to go shop at. 
<laughs> so uh, the scare doesn't make any sense. So let's go on to number three. Issue number three. Even though the state might not kill the rec home growing, <laughs> thanks. The ability of local cities to ban and effectively regulate could result in places where there are only five or six home grow permits being issued at one hundred bucks a year. For example, wait a minute, wait, well, eh, stop. There are no home grow permits. It's not a permitting process. Everyone has the right to home grow. You can home grow six plants indoors. Nobody can ban that. There are no home grow permits. There are no local cities limiting them to five or six at a hundred bucks a pop. There is no money spent for any permit because no permit exists. He continues. Are you confident that the people behind Prop 64 didn't design this as a Trojan horse that gives the police and prohibition the voter-mandated right to over-regulate to the point of full suppression of all cannabis activity? This would definitely make the prison industry happy when people revolt and continue to grow at home. Oh, and by the way, all the tax revenue from the rec sales is now paying for enforcement new hires on the narcotics task force and a new fleet of drones configured to look for cannabis. Oh, scary. And I get this all the time. This is not an outlier, folks. I get people like this all the time. So, no, I am not scared that it is a Trojan horse. Because the metaphor of the Trojan horse is that you were given a gift that was opaque and you could not see inside of it. And when you took inside, the unknown Trojans would jump out and attack you. There's nothing hidden in Prop 64. You can read the damn thing. It's online. There's no Trojan horses in there. There's no secrets in there. This idea that it's going to get legalized. I love this. This is the other scare I love because we got this in Oregon. We got some people that got upset because in our prop in our uh, measure 91, we specified that a certain percentage of the pot tax revenue would go to law enforcement. Oh, people wailed about that one because law enforcement's the enemy, you see. And they were giving any money to law enforcement. Well, now the, the argument went, well, now they'll have incentive because they'll get this money, this marijuana tax money, and then they'll have the incentive to go after all the home growers and there'll actually be more arrests. There'll be more arrests than there were before. But in all the states that have legalized, there have been fewer arrests for home growing. Well, the stats show it. And it also, that, and that is because when something's legal to home grow or legal to even possess, you have so much less probable cause for the police officers to start the interaction in the first place that leads to them getting to those plants. So yeah, we're going to legalize marijuana. They're going to hire more narcotics cops and bust more people, even though that's never happened anywhere else. And the new fleet of drones configured to look for cannabis. Yeah, if it's illegal grows out in the national forests, I'm all for that. Just legalizing marijuana is not going to make all that stuff go away. There's still going to be laws to enforce. And finally, let's wrap it up. Issue number four. Where in Prop 64 does it say that cities can only regulate recreational home growing and not medical growing? Where does it say that patients can still grow outdoors? Oh, wait, you haven't even considered these issues. Have you read Prop 64? 
<laughs> Kid, not only did I read it, I notated all 62 pages of it, and I posted it online at rad-r.us slash all caps C-A-A-U-M-A-2. Got all my notes on it. Read the whole thing. No, it doesn't say that cities cannot not regulate medical growing. That's in the Medical Marijuana uh, Act, the MMRSA, the revised statutes. Where does it say patients can still grow outdoors? It doesn't. It says anybody can grow indoors. Even patients who've been banned the ability to grow indoors by certain cities and counties under the medical marijuana law. It improves that for patients. Man, if I didn't smoke so much weed, these people would drive me crazy. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORML. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I am a round peg in a square hole. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Just wrapping things up here on CannabisRadio.com. No show tomorrow, no live show tomorrow. I'll be on the train making my way to Seattle Hemp Fest. Looking forward to that. We'll bring you all the highlights on the shows next week. 
In Olympics news, American swimmer Ryan Lochte is in a bunch of trouble. He and the other swimmers that uh, claim they got held up at gunpoint, apparently uh, their story is full of holes. And uh, the Brazilian government is none too happy about it. Some of the speculation is they got involved into partying a little too hardy. Maybe had disagreements with perhaps a drug dealer, perhaps a purveyor of sex work, so to speak. Oh, what a damn shame for the uh, <laughs> for the Olympic swimmer there. But what's troublesome about the coverage of this is how some of the media are referring to these guys as kids. All these kids that made these silly mistakes. These kids that they don't have the right attitude, right? Because, wait a minute, aren't these guys 20-something? Right? So these are grown men. Meanwhile, there was all sorts of uh, condemnation of Gabby Douglas for her, you know, not uh, putting her hand on the heart or... Uh, of all these different teenage, you know, actual minors criticizing them, these females and minorities, but the uh, white guy who lies about the <laughs> lies about getting robbed. He's just a kid. Oh, boys will be boys. That's what they do. That's just uh, the more you pay attention to this kind of stuff, the more it becomes obvious to you and that uh, you can't help but remark on it. Well, that's all the time we got for today and this week. Thanks for joining us for show number 824. I can't believe it. 824. Got a pretty full schedule coming up here for Seattle Hepfest. Plenty of interviews and reports and videos that we'll bring back to you from the mecca of cannabis activism. Got all sorts of great guests coming up on shows next week. Dr. Mitch on Monday. John Getman joins us on Tuesday to talk about rescheduling. Derek Davis from California Cannabis CPA as well. Hemp Day on Wednesday. Cops say illegalized drugs on Thursday. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com.